just keep her through cars and a wishing well. Prayed for a love to call us own, a love to break the spell. Welcome to the Red Pill Buddhas podcast for red pilled Buddhas everywhere. Revolutionary, free thinking spiritual people who've woken up from the mainstream narrative on various levels. And I interview some of the most fascinating ones here. Please also visit thehumanunleashed.com for hundreds of hours of our video content on all areas of health, lifestyle, and much more. And theredpillrevolution.com for our five star reviewed book and subsequent publications in the Red Pill series as they come out. Hi, hi everybody. Welcome back to the Red Pill Buddhas podcast. This is my third episode. And I love these because I just get to chat to my friends and um, pretend that it's work. And so it's always a joy to chat to Jason. I did a previous interview with Jason. This is Jason Klepko here. I, and you have a listen to that. I'll put a link to that in the in the show notes below. But we talked about all kinds of things and it, it was it was it was wonderful. He's very, very eloquent. And um, He's an amazing writer. This is how he came to my attention. Just wonderful writings on some of my groups and on his own Facebook page. Just beautiful stuff. And, uh, and he's, a, he's a writer. He's a philosopher. He's a dreamer. He's also a far better angler than me. And he has turned up this time with, as promised, a, a wonderful merkin on his chin. <laughs> and not only that, but Jason is probably the only guy I know who has peed on an electric fence twice in the same day. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we go over that in the last podcast. So check it out. Jason, welcome. It's so nice to have you back. It's great to chat with you again, Phil. We ought to do this more often, even if not necessarily for a video. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So we'd just be at it all day, though. That's a problem. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So listen, um, I mean, last time it, we, you, you, you had some lovely stuff. One thing that struck me because I listened to our interview over again and really people should have a listen to that because you got really eloquent about um, the respect for animals, you know, that, that you kill and eat and just absolutely lovely stuff on that that just showed so much more of a love for animals than vegans or whatever. But, um, you know, it, it's uh, it, it's been a weird year. It's been a weird year with everybody um, at each other's throats and stuff like that. And <laughs> loads of sort of arguing with, as a friend of mine calls on Facebook, COVID enthusiasts. <laughs> and I mean, okay, we, we, we can talk about anything here because we're just going to have to do a little advert, I reckon, after what we say here and, and, and for YouTube and put it somewhere else. Because I, I, wanna, I want you to let rip because you've had some great viewpoints on this over the years. So how, how's, how's your year been? What's, what's been going on there? Well, my year's been a real struggle, um, and I, I know that puts me in the same boat as almost everybody else. Uh, you know, I, I quit driving semis, you know, and hauling heavy stuff, and I've been a little over a year now uh, hauling just campers, uh, brand new campers. I haul them from, like, near where the factories are, and I, I haul them out to various dealerships around the country. Uh, I have a lot more freedom in, in this job, uh, kind of more pick where I wanna go. And then once I drop off a camp there, it's just, it's just me and a pickup truck 
four wheel drive and I can go visit wild and beautiful places. I drop off and visit friends or family members all over the country. So that's been a real blessing. Um, along with the COVID madness, uh, you know, and you're basically living in a pickup truck all over the country, it was hard to get into restaurants. It's, it's hard to, it was really hard to stick with my diet, you know, and, and do at least extremely low carb carnivore. So I put on a few pounds this year. I, at some point, I sort of just kind of gave in. Uh, it's, at times I can't just drive through a drive through and order a bunch of hamburger patties and they won't let you come in. Um, they wouldn't let you come into the stores a lot of times. So, I mean, one of my, I don't know, it's a poor coping mechanism, but eating is one of mine, you know, I have many, <laughs> but eating is one of them. So I kind of let go of my, my diet. The stress was getting to me, um, you know, with fuel prices having gone through the roof uh, so far this year, I did the math. I'm nearly $20,000 less than I would have been last year. That's just because of the rise in fuel costs. And then sometimes because of all of the weirdness with, uh, you know, parts from China or whatever, there's been bottlenecks where I haven't had as much work. And in between all of that and those stresses and being on the road, I kind of ended up eating my feelings sometimes. And, but I, I, I did it cautiously enough. I said, okay, you know, I'm going to just cut myself some slack and, but I'm just not going to ever let myself be fatter than this, you know? So I've, I've gotten, I've gotten it back under control. Uh, I'm a, a, a lot more leery about my cheats or cheat day because of how quickly that can turn into completely off track. Um, the, the, the crazy thing is, is that I know I'm no different than a lot of other people. I know that sticking strongly to my diet will reduce my, my stress, my anxiety, um, you know, so as the stress increased, I was more flexible on my diet. Partly it's really hard to carry enough food to be on the road for a few weeks. It's hard to get in. Well, I just kind of let that go. But in the back of my mind, it's always there. Well, the stress is getting to me. Um, I'm, I'm starting to have feelings of depression and whatnot. Well, I know how to fix that and correct that. Uh, I know that these are external causes, but I really needed to dial back in and focus on what am I putting into my body? Uh, how am I approaching life? And I, I think the, where, I, where I caught myself needing greater accountability is realizing, hey, we're surrounded by this pandemic, right? Something is definitely going on. People are getting sick. 
and my best defense is a better immune system. And a part of that is sticking with my diet and making better health choices. So it was, it's kind of a double-edged sword. I, I really need to be sm smarter like I, I was when I, I got my health back and I, straight, I, I fixed my physical and a lot of my mental well-being. But those are all the same attitudes and same behaviors that will keep me safer from a virus or or any sort of you know external negative stimulus exactly. it doesn't have to be a virus. nobody's mentioning this are they i mean i jason I, I can recommend a complete fix for you which is i can highly recommend rheumatoid arthritis because it's so painful you have to stay on the diet like i have no yeah. willpower <laughs> i'm doing yeah. the same so I would say, yeah, get yourself get yourself a nice bit of inflammatory arthritis, and it sorts you out, really. <laughs> right, right. Well, it was, what, 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 um, what is, what, what have you been, what have you been seeing over this? Have you been seeing people dropping dead in the streets? Have you been seeing what, what, what are you? Because you've written some beautiful pieces on what you think is going on, and 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 your view on things, and and also the whole politics of it as well, and also tell me because I want to let you run on this one, you know, Ed, what, what have you seen now? What was it that, uh, it's a question I asked John Gusty the other day on the last podcast. What was the point where the young Jason got into a, a, a frame of mind where he realized everything was nonsense and that 99% of what we're told is absolute rubbish? Oh, wow. That's a, that's a lot to unpack there, Phil. Uh, I know. That's, <laughs> I just, I'm feeling lazy, you know, away you go. <laughs> All right. Well, um, you know, I know we discussed it a bit in our last interview. Uh, I was blessed that I grew up in a religious and spiritual family. So I had, and it was also one, I, I grew up in a, in a faith and a belief system that encouraged you to challenge even your own beliefs. Like we're not like the type of Christian that I am. I'm not, I'm not, uh, reprimanded for even questioning my faith in Jesus. Like, and that's kind of always been the mindset that I approach uh, my critical thinking from is, is if it's true and it's what I'm meant to believe, then it'll still be true after I challenge it, question it, dig in for more answers. But I recently had thoughts on exactly what you're asking is how did this happen how was my awakening like we all have those of us who find ourselves awakening um you know there are you know cathartic moments there are there are big you know events or things that just you know gripped us by our soul that that told us you know something needs to change and it's and a lot of times I feel like that has to be a powerful enough experience that that creates more discomfort than, than the weight of the cognitive dissonance preventing you from crossing that threshold. And so I started waking up really um, about, when is it, about halfway through George W. Bush and and I felt 
betrayed when they started doing all the big bailouts for auto manufacturers and stuff. I in this this whole idea of too big to fail. And and I thought, man, that's not that's not liberty at all. You know, you're gonna take money out of my pocket to give to these people who failed. Yeah, if if a car company crashes, a lot of people are gonna lose their jobs. It's gonna it's gonna suck. But what about the long-term implication? Like you can be a corporation and you can lose tens of billions of dollars or, or just, you know, you can, you can run your business horribly, but that's okay. Government's going to just step in and, and clean it all up at my expense. And I thought, well, look, that's not, that's not conservative ideals. That's not, it's got nothing to do with constitutional ideals. All of these things, the core principles that I think um, made America so great and, and those same principles that, that impacted and, and, and kind of expanded into the, at least the rest of the Western world. And then of course it bleeds on through to the whole world. Like, well, if we're not true to our core principles, well, then I can't call myself a Republican anymore because I don't I don't support this garbage at all. So timeline wise, it sort of began my real deep questioning of our government started about then. Um, and I, I just ever since then. I, I could not hear just something on Fox News and take it, oh, well, this is the conservative news site. You know, surely, surely they're, they're telling me the truth or they're, no, I, I started questioning everything. And then, so that was a big event. But every time you uncover, or, you know, unpeel one layer of this onion, you see the next ugly layer. Uh, I wrote a little uh, a little rant the other day, and I mentioned several friends who would recognize that I was talking about them. And it was one friend in particular that that changed my mind about vaccines. Um, I was extremely pro-vaccine five years ago. Like if I heard some, if I read someone's post or read a blog about someone I don't know about vaccinating my children I would have thought and I actually would have been very vocal about it too um you idiot what are you thinking why would you put your kids at risk and everybody else at risk and I was it's not that I believe that it's that and I was wrong but I was certain about it you know what I mean it well I have this friend, I heard his story about nearly watching one of his sons die uh, very shortly after a regular vaccine years ago. And this friend uh, is extremely brilliant. Uh, I would kill to have his vocabulary. Uh, we, we've had this discussion at times too. He would, he would kill for my, um, my, my poetic approach, you know, to, to writing. And I would kill to have his vocabulary. And he's a voracious, uh, you know, reader, studier, 
And and this was even before COVID, we ever heard the first thing about COVID. And so he shared with me all kinds of different information. And he showed me research about the actual, um, what is it, the, the curves. You know, we're talking about flattening the curve. And he showed me almost every case in history with vaccines. In fact, every case, the vaccines don't show up until, you know, there's the curve, there's the peak, they talk about flattening, and then it's on the downside, like, it's over here on the downside that the vaccine actually shows up. And I thought, well, wait a minute, the vaccine may very, vaccines may very well be getting credit for the, the natural cycle of a virus. And, and that was just one key piece, seeing it illustrated on actual graphs, and this is legitimate research. And I thought, okay, well, that opened my mind. That was, that was kind of the, that's weird, because that was an actual tipping point that I could, the, that I could actually pick out of the ether and say, wait, there was an actual moment that changed my opinion. And then from there, I became more true to myself. Like, well, I'm pro-choice when it comes to vaccines of any sort. I don't think, I just, because all the stuff I've seen, much of it this friend shared with me, dug through the rabbit hole. I, we've got this dependent on vaccines, whereas what if our, our focus as a culture and what if the the medical culture had been emphasizing treatments and building immune systems and building legitimate natural herd immunity instead. Um, and so I, I changed as we were leading into this pandemic, I had changed to, I don't know if vaccines are the right choice. I've now seen, I had by then I had seen the heavily censored um, reporting on vaccine deaths and injuries and I thought I don't know that they're a net gain and at this point I'm confident nobody can prove to me scientifically 100% that they are that they have a net benefit over just facing a virus with treatments and and helping people get over them you know I I just so at that point I was not convinced any longer of being pro-vaccine. I thought, you know, that's the risks are high enough that this has to be a matter of choice. Um, and so then I start hearing the first things about COVID. Well, I wanted to know better how to protect myself, but what, you know, what do I tell people that are close to me? You didn't. Um, you didn't. You didn't follow the WHO guidelines to eat more whole grains and seed oils and not to eat any animal <laughs> products. No animal fats. Right. They, no, I didn't follow they're those looking, guidelines. They're looking after us. They're looking after us. <laughs> it. Gosh, Phil. The more and more you learn, um, it it just gets scarier and scarier because, I mean. Even if you're you're not a high IQ person, or if you're not, you know, maybe you didn't go to college, or maybe you went to maybe you went to university, but you studied 
business instead of having anything to do with science, then, I mean, all of this stuff is so foreign to you. Um, and, and, but me, and I, I've blamed it on my, my short attention span or my ADD, but I, I get bored easily or I get, or, but the, the reciprocal of that is I get fascinated easily too. So I have a really broad base of knowledge. Like I would never become an expert on viruses because I would lose my attention span, but I was fascinated enough that I dug in to see what was, you know, what, what's this all about? And then I have friends, it's like, wait, some of these things that, that, that I discussed, this is not stuff I learned in college or university. This is stuff I remember from high school biology or high school chemistry. What were you doing in class back then? Or do you just not remember? Well, I get it. It's too much to remember um, for, for any person. Like, so you do have to start relying on a particular expert, but it boggles my mind that people don't have even the rudimentary foundational knowledge of, um, of simple biology that when they hear Fauci say 10 different things contradicting himself, they, they, they don't even have the wherewithal to say, wait a minute, like, is this guy right? And I'm going to tell you, Phil, I feel like this is one of the greatest failures um, in my country, right? You know, I, I, I like to think of like Britain and Australia as, as a, our like little brothers. And I know that sounds a little condescending, but I've always felt this kinship with a lot of other Western nations, especially English speaking ones. But you know, the, the US had, had its constitution, we had it first. The idea of individual liberty was born here. And along the way, we should have known better. And having representative governments, you know, the whole idea of liberty and hiring, you know, electing a representative government is that um, they are supposed to be representing us. They are supposed to be looking out for our best interests. You know, it in this country, constitutionally speaking, it shouldn't matter who the president is because they don't, constitutionally speaking, they don't have the power to run my life the way that they're doing right now. Um, I, you know, it shouldn't be up to every single individual to dig for the truth and dig for the facts for themselves, you know, if liberty was being protected, I should be able to just go fishing tomorrow and not worry about, you know, enemies, foreign and domestic. I, I hired people to do that. They take money out of my paycheck to execute that job. But here, look what they've done to us. And I also feel like, not my country, but my government also is right now failing the whole world in that sense. Um, people can call it 
egocentrism or ethnocentrism or whatever that I feel this highly of my country, but it's true. Uh, a lot of people in a lot of other nations depend on the U.S. being powerful. And that way, you know, Russia just doesn't bulldoze right through your country, you know, or, or, or China doesn't just bulldoze right across Asia. And I mean, so whether people want to acknowledge it or not, um, the U.S. plays a vital role in, in the liberties and, and relative sovereignty of most of the countries on this planet. So when I hear these awful things that are happening in Australia right now, or uh, New Zealand, South Africa, Great Britain, they, like all like, I guess, former British empire nations. Um, I feel like my government's dropping the ball. You know, when those people see the things that happen here and in the back of their heads, you know, it's, there's got to be this thought, well, if if folks in America aren't even experiencing freedom, then, then how helpless must you feel in a country like Australia where they've been completely disarmed? Like, at least in my country, the the government in the back of their head before they try anything too tyrannical, they have to, it's got to be somewhere floating around in there. Like these people are armed to the teeth. Well, this is, this is why they're trying to get rid of it, isn't it? They're trying to get rid of the guns all over the place. And you know, the, the thing that gets me about this whole situation, this has amazed me, is that, okay, at the beginning I saw within five minutes of the, of the coaches coming into Liverpool here and the drivers not having any PPE on, the, the coaches full of people from Wuhan or whatever. And I thought, no, this is nonsense. It lasted kind of about five minutes, but I didn't know what nonsense it was. And then you get called, you're a terrible tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist and lose a load of friends and all that sort of thing. But if you put that, that lens on, and look at this through it. It's the only way that it seems to actually make sense, you know, and you start to see people like Stefan Lanker trying to uh, bring it to the public that his proof that viruses don't even exist and it's transmitted in a completely different way and the terrain versus germ theory and all that. But then, you know, all of this thing, like you said, Fauci flip-flopping all the time. I mean, to, by anyone's standards, that dude's got to be carted off to jail at some point at least. But, mm. but you know, they're, 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 when you say the government's not doing you any good, and it's the same here, but why is this happening? It's all in lockstep, isn't it? As they say, all over the world. And this is what we've delved mm -hmm. into. And I'm, I find Graham and Jeremy incredibly fascinating because they've been into this longer than me, you know, in the human analytic yeah. level. But, but just saying, look, there's just dark forces. Whether you go as far as Cliff's, Cliff High's idea that there's some mantid creature in, in, in Antarctica controlling all the world governments or whatever, or it's just a general rise of psychopaths. But it, it is weird because every step they take is completely wrong for protecting humans. I saw a great meme the other day, the Australian uh, uh, police, you know, firing on a crowd to protect their health. And it's like, <laughs> to protect their health. It's nuts, isn't it? You're not wearing a muzzle, so we're going to have to shoot you, you know, because you, you might have a virus. And, 
if it was proved that there wasn't even such a thing as a virus and it's pants down all over the place but everybody's got caught in this whole thing what 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 do you think about this and have you have you sort of been surprised at some of your friends who swallowed the narrative and some who have been uh, you thought might have done but haven't and have been really woken up people have surprised me all over and i've just i think it's sort of people rising to the top if you like with sort of heroic efforts against this in whatever uh, a little little niche they have in life but i think it's been quite a beautiful time in a way but has it surprised you some of the people that have swallowed it some incredibly intelligent people that have swallowed it yeah i've been extremely surprised but on 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 both ends uh some of the people i know that are just swallowing just chugging the Kool-Aid, swallowing the BS lock, stock, and barrel. I'm I'm shocked. I I you know some people I know I I I know one lady in particular who's a longtime holistic healer and functional medicine type practitioner. Couldn't wait to get the jab. Um and and what's crazy to me is is that she she knows i mean she years ago told me all about nac and it's it's properties for protecting the liver and the lungs and then why and even asking her okay why did the fda start posturing and maneuvering to try to get it pulled from shelves and it's been a proven safe supplement for some 30 or 40 years for a very long time well she shared some of those things from me it took other friends more re- much more recently telling me more like how is that helpful you know to boost your immune or, and to support your health through through a upper respiratory infection for example well i look i look at this lady and all i can think is is my gosh the it it's it's a fear based reaction uh, she has the knowledge. She's gifted in in helping people uh, with their with their health. Um, and I've seen, but I've seen the reverse too. And I've seen it. I think there's a little changing of the tides coming, Phil. Um, a couple of my friends that uh, that had kind of been drinking the Kool Aid have. I didn't think we were on a page where we could have respectful chats anymore, like like critical kind of debates, because they they did dive in, just just embrace the narrative. But uh, several times in the last month or two, um, I've had occasions like very long time old friends that had the jab, wanted the jab, were adamantly against people who didn't get it but are now chatting with me uh have had some good conversations and it's some of those people that i'm there's two in my head right now that i'm thinking of and each of them i'm actually i was actually shocked that they've they've come full circle and now they're questioning the narrative um I I think you kind of delved into it a minute ago is is so what really is happening all kind of like evil things going on in the world um 
it's just a convergence of of a lot of realities you know like with the the internet and social media there is that possibility now that we're just seeing it more and it was a lot easier for those things to hide in the shadows but that's not entirely it there's also those evil forces are are ramping up their efforts i mean at some point if you're to believe that the end goal is global communism or or one world government at, at some point you know they want to pull the trigger and make that happen and that's not a conspiracy i mean you can you can read the philosophies and ideas of these people who believe in one world governance and and believe that the human race would be better off with that. And, and some of those people who believe that are in positions of extreme power and that's what they want. Well, what does it look like? And from a spiritual point of view, you know, you've got obviously every time some giant event happens, you got all diff this religion and that religion say, oh, well, you know, we heard that predicted, you know, that, that's in the Bible or whatever. Well, I, I don't know if this is yet the end time scenario. Um, I kind of think that it is, but at the same time, you know what, I, I can relate it to my falling off the wagon with my, with my diet. And, and you hit the nail right on the head. Like when I'm suffering and struggling with rheumatoid arthritis, it's real easy to stay committed. Um, for me, like all those months that, that I was feeling good, looking good, I, I could cheat once a week and not a problem. It wouldn't kick me off the wagon. Um, well, then the big stress hits the the big life changes hit and I start struggling with my faith you know even though I know it works like and I felt it work and I inspired other people with my story I fell off the wagon and I needed to I needed to reevaluate and hold myself accountable and in my religious studies in the past we have a word for that it's called a pride cycle and it's real simple. Um, I'm fascinated with cycles because all of nature is cycles. Um, there's no such thing as balance in nature. It doesn't exist. Nature's in a never ending you know, state of, of decay in order to create renewal and then growth and change and then death, and then decay, and then growth and renewal. Well, pride works the same way. You know, we get, and not just in the US, but in, in most first world nations, we're really blessed. There aren't many of us, even the poorest people in my country are not wondering where they're gonna get their next meal from. They can find one. Um, well, when you're that blessed for so long, you begin taking things for granted. And then things start getting really ugly. And I've been trying to give a little more of a hopeful message in some of my rants lately, like, yeah, 
things are going to get a lot uglier before they get better because this I don't see that this particular pride cycle has hit its apex yet. Well, then you bring up a minute ago, have I seen people that have shocked me or surprised me? You know, that I, yeah. And that's beautiful. One of these friends in particular that actually started having respectful intellectual debate with me about the the whole Rona thing and, and the jabs and all that. Uh, I, I thought he had gone way too far liberal. Like that, I was, I was sad. I thought, well, we're not gonna really be so much friends anymore, but that doesn't mean that he's out of my life or done forever or whatever. Like I still gonna drop him a call or a text sometime asking about his family, but maybe our friendship has run its course. And that kind of broke my heart because he's a dear friend. But I reached out to him a couple times, didn't hear back, and it just luck would have it. I, I was on a, a cross-country trip, uh, and I was going to be passing near him, and I was going to have to kill a day or two worth of time because of when I was allowed to drop this trailer. Uh, and he just texted me. I was like, hey, as it happens, I'll be in your neighborhood tomorrow you mind if I drop by and you know he actually during that apologized to me for one of our last conversations where he called me a conspiracy theorist and I'm like look I don't mind the the title conspiracy theorist um but it's when you say it just like oh you know quit bothering me with all your conspiracy theories you you've just written me off and belittled me as if I'm just a conspiracy theorist and nothing more. I'm also a critical thinker. Um, while a lot of my friends were playing video games, I was in the library, but I wasn't checking out fiction novels. I was, you know, I was checking out field guides to learn about birds, or I was watching Discovery Channel while everybody else was watching cartoons. Um, and this friend, he knows better about me, but I also had to give him an apology. Um, he's also a very poignant person. Uh, and when I thought that maybe our friendship had run its course, I was also not giving him the benefit of the doubt and, and giving him his opportunity to grow and change. Well, that's the thing, Phil. I'm working on it. Okay, I'm, I'm really good at, at ripping someone a new one. Right? <laughs> I can be pretty belligerent and obnoxious and forceful. And that's totally appropriate sometimes, right? But I need to be more careful that I leave the door open for people too. I do see... I see people going both ways right now. There, some people are just giving in and, and, and oh, I better go get jabbed and maybe these people are right. But I see other people questioning the narrative and I had one friend actually message me recently, you know, hey man, what can you really tell me about these jabs? I'm paraphrasing. 
um, he's mortified right now because he's my age, uh, maybe a year younger. I, I'm 44, but he's my age and he's got pericarditis, you know, inflammation of the heart. And, and, and several of his family members, including uh, his high school age son, are having health difficulties and challenges. And Phil, one of the tough things about being a, a deep and critical thinker or being aware of all these things, it's a blessing and it's a curse. And I'm gonna say it's more of a blessing, but you don't get the joy of, I told you so. Because I told you so in this context means that my friend is hurt. And um, and I, I had some hopelessness, but you know, I also have other friends. I met, you know, you know, I met you and I met a lot of these other friends in my journey doing carnivore and in my just just you know carnivore diet. And what the people people will always ask, well, why are these people so spiritual? Why are they trying to do this? Or why why are they sharing their beliefs? I'm like, well, because here are people that have found out that something was really wrong with what, what they've been told, what they've been taught. They're hurt, they're damaged, they're sick of suffering. So if I hadn't had any of those experiences myself personally, why would I ever have given up pizza and ice cream every day? I wouldn't have, they, I mean, so something something deep and emotional brought me to those crowds. So I met people like you and, and I have other friends who are sharing like, okay, look, we're look, this protocol is gonna help people to detox some of the effects of the jab. And for just for example, and then I was able to pass on some of that information to my friend. I'm like, hey, look, this is all stuff you can get at uh, health food stores or supplement shops and, and or you can order it online. And, and look, I don't have to make any claims about what it's gonna do. Like, this stuff will help you be healthier because it will, for example, protect your lungs, protect your liver. You know, like, so what I, what I realized, Phil, is as you, you, you know, no matter what path you're on, as you're on that path of awakening, you, you cross paths with other people who are on that same journey. You and I discussed that before. But as my stresses were getting to me earlier than this year, I started having feelings of helplessness, hopelessness. Um, but, you know, that's because when you're dialed in to the pulse of what's going on right now, we get to see all the ugly stuff. We see more of it than other people see because they're not digging. They're not looking. And, and that weight starts to become quite the burden. And then you realize 
well, I'm seeing all of the ugly because I am, you know, constantly waking up the next level, the next level. I'm seeing more of the ugly in the world and how, how so much of what we believe is false. And so I missed it. I missed it. Like, you start to feel alone, helpless, hopeless, and isolated because you're seeing all that ugly. But you know, the path of being open-minded to, to see those things also puts people like me and you together. And Jason, can I, can I jump in there? Because that's beautiful. And please do. You know, I, could, I could tell you, you had some emotion there because I do as well. Some people, I mean, relatives, friends, uh, you know, have, have, have swallowed the narrative. Also, sometimes had to jab and then regretted it. And, you know, all these things that we're seeing. But if anybody's, if anybody has got anything like that, you know, or they've got friends or family who, who, have, who have had this jab and who have had issues with it, or even just regretting it and wanting to look into it, because some of the D-dimer tests obviously are showing that even in asymptomatic people, the blood is wrong now with the graphene oxide and whatever else might be in there. You know, go to our redpillrevolution.com website, redpillrevolution.com slash G-O-Detox, go detox. We've got a protocol there. It's free. Just go get it, you know. And and it's I think this, you know, we've had uh, Graham working on this, Dr. Jeremy Ayers working on this. And we, we've had a huge uptake of this. It's it's actually I saw today like 10 times more of the hits on our website than anything else. So so people oh. are having problems with this, you know, and and it's really comprehensive, not just a, a protocol, but just the detox of it, you know, um, just the history of it, you know, and why these things have worked in the past for getting rid of heavy metals and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I, I've also noticed something that <laughs> that you said about um about meeting people on, on, on the carnival path, because it sounds really strange to people who are all still omnivores, but I also kind of class them as plant-based, you know, but when you get as, as far down the other end of plant-based as the vegans, and I've noticed, I was wondering actually whether your holistic friend was more plant-based in, in their approach, because, you know, sometimes, sometimes these people will go straight for a jab or sometimes when they get cancer, they'll go straight for chemo, stuff like that, because it's not really working. And they tend to live more in fear. And of course, we all have our desperate days. I'm not saying we're immune to it. I do. I have wonderful yeah. days at the moment, but desperate days too, where you think, oh my God, it's all going, it's all, what, what am I going to do? What are my kids going to do? You know, but, but we were talking about this for the, you know, we did the red pill revolution, but we're, but we're doing the red pill food revolution now and going sort of deeper into it and the whole sort of rise of the psychopath and everything with, with agriculture is fascinating stuff. Ben's doing another great job, but, um, it, it was uh, we were talking about this business of, of of carnivore and 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 stability and bravery and the, the the ability to see gray areas. And I'm finding that, you know, this is another thing that leads me towards the conspiracy theory that there's something evil at the top of this, because all the time people have fed people plant based diets to keep them weak and suggestible. And, and now you can see it in the vegans. The fear has ramped up. They've stopped attacking me for the most part. They, they, they attacked me under my recent interview with Mark Atwood on, on meat and spirituality. They had a bit of a go at that. They don't like that. But uh, yeah. 90% of the comments were all positive but, and how it's healed people. But when you see it and the brain is fueled with, with proper fats from animals, and it seems to be something they're trying to lead us away from, banning the beef, stuff like that. 
And, and, and these people on the carnival groups have not been arguing, they've not been fighting anywhere near as much as anywhere else. They've, very few of them have swallowed the narrative. And I think it's just another part of the weaponry to keep us, keep us dumb and, and terrified. But, you know, the terror is the problem. I mean, if everybody just saw through the terror of it and that there is a, you know, even if this thing exists and they're not faking the flu, you know, as, as COVID, there's a 99.9% survival rate and the people who die of COVID are above the, 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 the average of where people die anyway. So, you know, it's, it, it's, it, it's obviously something going wrong, but, what, what, what do you think about this, that there is some kind of stability in this in this way that people eat and, and that the plant based people seem to be going more into the fear, the more disconnected you are from nature, the easier it is to be fooled into. These many different things that they're putting on us, all the Fauciisms that are so far away from nature, as you say, mm -hmm. I mean, what's going on here with these ancestral disconnects and fear and plant based lunacy and, you know, there's another Great, huge one to unpack, but start where you like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you're one of the last things you just said. Uh, well, it, it is the key to unpacking this. It's like the separating us from our ancestral pathways. Um, now, I, I mentioned it just so people understand my perspective, where I'm personally coming from. I, I, I am a Christian. Uh, but like, I can also objectively say, let's just say for, uh, for argument or the sake of open debate, if I'm to concede the possibility that Bible and all the, the Christian beliefs that I have are, are that, are all that just, just beliefs, um, well, then in fact, uh, the Bible would stand alone as our mythology, okay? Um, now, if it's mythology, does that mean it's not true? Uh, people make the mistake of thinking, oh, well, if that's all just allegory and, and poetry and didn't really happen, then it's, it's not true and it should be irrelevant. Well, storytelling is how people used to to keep track of their history. And, and it's these elaborate, colorful stories that, that reach humans to their core. Um, and, and not everything that we inherit comes in the bloodstream. You know, we're, as the, I'll get to my point here, I promise. As, <laughs> As humans, we have the longest dependent childhood of any creature on this planet. Like 18 years, are you kidding me? Like, I mean, and different people mature at different ages. Me, I probably 30 before I was useful at anything. But- uh, I'm, I'm still waiting. The, uh, the, well, our ancestral roots, you know, when, when, for example, the Bible tells the story of these people and why, why everything went horribly wrong, and then you look at it from a morality standpoint, um, there were dietary recommendations in the Old Testament. Well, they made sense. Um, people didn't understand how to process pork, for example, 
it could be deadly to eat pork if you don't understand how to process it. So over time, people will learn those lessons and, and learn how to more safely eat pork. Well, that's just my, my one example. As far as like separating people from their ancestral roots, trying to tell us it is a religious thing for me because anytime you revert back to ancestral health, like a more ancestral diet or ancestral behaviors, like with Wim Hof's methods, cold showers, ice baths, you're, you're recreating what it used to be like to be a human. Um, and that's how we evolve. Um, and, and from a spiritual and religious point of view, you know, like I'm, we're, I was taught in church to avoid being the natural man. Doesn't say quit being the beast that is a human. The natural man is the thing that screws everything up. Um, you know, the, the natural man is the one that has ambitions and has the, they have, you know, deadly ideologies or behaviors like envy or sloth or greed, you know, those sort of things. That's the natural man. Well, what about the animalistic man? What about the human being that God created? Or if you just want to say the human being that evolved, like what made us so successful? What made us survive this long? And when you're telling me that there is no way for humanity to evolve past a virus or to evolve past a pandemic or an epidemic or whatever, you're telling me that that the resources are not found in nature, or you're telling me that the human body is not capable, it's not equipped. I'm wondering, like, it's not my faith that's being questioned. It's, it's the, the evolutionist faith that's being questioned. I'm over here agreeing that, okay, if we evolved this way, then don't we have several hundred thousand years of of trial and error in our gene pool that that has, we, we've survived other plagues and stuff before, but you're telling me that this is the one that's gonna end humanity if, if I don't genetically alter myself. Wait, so how many millions of years of evo, you know, evolution are you claiming that got me here in this current state of being, but but all of the things my ancestors endured before this are just have nothing to do with me now. Like you, you, they, they trying to feel it's just, that goes back, that goes to the core of this whole thing. And you hit the nail on the head when you say they're trying to separate us from our ancestral roots, ancestral being every part of, put your finger, you know, <laughs> Throw a dart in any direction. The cabal, you know, big pharma, modern mess, like everything that they're trying to do is to rob us of our identity, of our human identity. They're trying to pervert the human condition. And you've 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 danced all over the the problem that we're facing is 
people are afraid because they're not connected with their own being. They're not connected with the food that they eat. They're not, they're not connected with, with their, their own roots. Like, you know, you, have you never killed your own animal and cooked it on an open fire? Like, I, I would say this to people and of course I'll challenge them, but I, I say stuff like that to, to get under a vegan skin when the opportunity arises, but there is something primal about it. There, there's something about it that, that wakes up emotions that you don't get to feel in the concrete jungle or on the internet. You know, once you get people have to figure out how to get back to basics. And I, I think every, in every example that we could offer or discuss about what's going on in the world or why are people so afraid and, and how is that controlling them so much? Well, it's the same reason that scary Bible stories or triumphant Bible stories have an impact. It's because fear is a really powerful motivator Joy is also a very powerful motivator. Fear is a greater motivator because it had to be for survival. I mean, the, the things that cause you fear are things that end your life, you know? I mean, it, but how afraid must we actually be? And I, 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 I think that's, that's, I think that's the threshold people need to make it over right now is, is the virus really that scary? Well, there's a million ways to die. Nobody's making it out of this alive. You know, I, in one of my more obnoxious moments in a debate with a friend, a friend that, that could handle this kind of comment, um, you know, I, I explained that um, this is life, bro. Earth is never going to be heaven because humans are flawed and imperfect. Um, we have a body. It's not, I mean, it's kind of fragile. It can get things like disease. It can break arms. You know, it is it, this, this life, this world, like the whole Marxist BS about creating a utopia Bro, if you want utopia, pray there's a God and eat a bullet. Because utopia, and I don't, honestly, you know, I, I, I want nobody to ever take that advice. But the point being, utopia doesn't happen here. This is life. Life includes some pain and suffering. It includes dying. I mean, that's a part of the cycles. Like, I'm going to die too. And I'm not so much afraid of dying i've learned that lesson in my life i'm i'm i might be afraid of how i'm gonna die because i mean i'd prefer it not be painful but hypothetically as soon as it's over i won't remember you know like but so these people are now in just utter fear of a virus and then it's created fear of other human beings. They're afraid of even being in the same room. My gosh, um, believe it or not, I'm, I'm actually an introvert. 
I learned this about myself recently. I did one of those elaborate psychological profile tests. And I, so I, I don't like big crowds of people. I really struggle with breaking the ice with a new person. Um, what makes me seem extroverted is, is that once I get past that initial breaking the ice, which is horrible for me, turns out I invite people into my circle very readily because I'm kind of an empath and I'm, I'm very, and I, so I love people, even though I don't like them that much, right? But to see just the physical distance between so many people and the, the, the wedge, I, you, I mean, how many months of almost every state in this country over the last year and a half that you walk into a place that, that's normally vibrant and awake, like a, a truck stop. Um, and people aren't talking to each other and they're looking at each other with suspicion, you know, like, oh, this person might have the virus. Like, you know, I, I mean, we're now treating each other like everyone's treating, or not say everyone, but people in general are treating each other like they're unapproachable, untouchable. I mean, look, on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, social connection is very close to the top. I mean, you rob that of people and you're, you're causing untold damage. And then, and I mean, it's not, I'm not being melodramatic when I say that is not a world I want to live in. Like if you're telling me risking my life with a virus or, or giving up a life where I have connections with people, I, I, I don't want it. I mean, it, and that's another one of those things they're doing to separate us from who we are, from our identity, from our, our human condition. You know, it, it's all about dehumanizing us, taking away that which actually defines us and makes us who we are. And I mean, you see that we've, we've hit almost all of the big ones, like our diet, um, you know, our, our health, as far as like, how do you treat injury, illness and all of that, we're, it's almost like those in charge are treating the rest of us like lab rats. And, and, and that's, that's hard to see. The, the only positive that I see out of all of it is like, you know, our connection as friends, my connections with other friends that see these things. And that's one of the toughest things, I think. Like, so when you get when you go down the rabbit hole of philosophizing like this, it all sounds like sounds like pretty grim stuff. Um, the more light that gets shed on what's going on in the world, I'm telling you, the light is scary. Sometimes it hurts to realize things you believe your whole life just are not true. But when you start seeing those things and, and you meet and you connect with people who are also seeing it and feeling it, you form these deeper bonds and connections with those people than you ever have before with, 
with others. That's brilliant. You know, that's just what I was thinking while you were talking about that. And I've I've noticed in this time, it's actually been a really wonderful time for me because I found these amazing people. And, you know, I was at a party a few months ago and it was one of the first sort of wonder, well, probably there was loads of them all over the place, but the first one I heard of. And somebody invited me to somebody from the carnival group. Who I met on the carnival group and she invited me to a house and they had a, a, a great uh, party where you know everyone was just hugging everyone ignoring it and they 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 were all these sort of conspiracy theorists and, and they even had a tinfoil hat <laughs> competition you know so everybody built these tinfoil <laughs> and 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 she invited me on because I'd, I'd written that red pill revolution book with the guys you know mm-hmm. and, and I thought and 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 she said you have to meet this guy Darren Nesbitt who's uh runs the light paper in England which is a sort of truth paper that's distributed free all over the place. It's got a great circulation now. And I met him. He was a great character. And then he started singing and he just with a guitar and he was playing at this party. And he sang that um, you can shove the new world order up your ass song. You know, that one that you posted. And, 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 you know, we went into well, we've been we've been playing. He's got some other great songs, actually. I mean, he's that, that's just a real throwaway one on sort of she's coming around the mountain when she comes. But it's become yeah, a yeah. chant. It's become a chant everywhere. He's actually a really good songwriter. He's got some great songs. Um, this is so check out the Daz Nez band or Daz Nez on SoundCloud if anyone wants to hear his other stuff. But he, he's great. But we um, we we we've been playing these sort of freedom rallies and festivals and this and that and it's been great you know that the the energy there has just been kind of magnified now how positive it is and and yeah. it, it amazed me on friday we're on tuesday now but on friday um we went into the recording studio to to record this song because i thought well you know well darren thought and we all did that um he, this this would really be uh, a good idea to record this now because it's a, a, a sort of a global anthem at, at these rallies and whatever people don't even know who wrote it and uh, or did the words anyway and, and so we went in to do it and um uh gary ferguson and i the, ba- the bass player and i went in and uh had this wonderful guy matt mcgrory who um who who, who played guitar so he's just wonderful i played in many bands with him but then we had Brian Jones on saxophone, not the Brian Jones, but this is a Brian Jones who's 80 now. He's a friend of mine. He's played with the Beatles. Everybody's a monster musician. Um, wow. And then and then we had a pianist come in. It was so amazing meeting him, a guy called Richard Copeland, if anyone looks him up. Uh, worked with Andrew Lloyd Webber, everything, and just totally woken up to all this stuff. And his parts were incredible. And then a violinist who I'd never met before, and Darren didn't even know if he was any good, ended up an absolute virtuoso. And we had the most amazing performances on what was otherwise a sort of throwaway tune, you know. Um, and, and we got to the five o'clock when this engineer had to go, who was brilliant all day. And we got these amazing performances down. And then it was just time for the lead vocal. And then 20 people had come from all over the country to, to, to sing, you know, to be part of the chorus. All these people that Darren knew from the festivals, all of these sort of connections, uh, these people who are, are real activists themselves. And they'd all come from all over the place. They were going to do this big, uh, big uh, chorus, you know, at the end with the shove the new world order up your ass and whatever. And and uh, then the owner of the studio came in to do a little bit of extra time with us, you know, after the engineer had to go home. And he looked at the the lyrics and he listened to the song and he said, I'm not happy with this. This is uh, this is this is too political. You know, the poison vaccines verse that 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 I, I, I can't accept this. I'm shutting this, the session down throwing you all out 
So we got thrown out of this. And I mean, the t- mostly the angry people were the 20 people, you know, who had, who had come down to sing because they weren't, so they didn't have so much invested in it yet. And I felt like I had to protect these studio people, you know, because I felt for them for being so caught in the narrative that they were worried about something like that. But I was also yeah, yeah. worried that they were in their own sort of property, feeling threatened by these other people. And it was just the, a weird end to a perfect day. Actually, it's all been filmed like a documentary style. So it'll come out and it'll be great, you know, and, and, and all of that throwing out business and me trying to calm them down and, and, and the record people and then Darren getting cross and us having to wheel him off and sort of and probably practically put him in a cupboard so he didn't have a go at them, you know. And anyway... <laughs> The, the 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 short short uh, long story short he, he we got out with the files so you know now we just have to find somewhere else everyone went down the pub and got mashed and it was okay it was great it was a good part of the documentary being thrown out it showed the the the, the division in this but I just felt yeah. so I, I felt for these guys who came along and shut the session down because I thought you poor guys you know you you and I said to them at one stage you're going to be not only embarrassed you've done this but proud it was done in your studio. You know, because this stuff is going to come out and you realize that we're sort of fighting for you now. But I was a long, long winded explanation, but it was just such an amusing thing that happened on Friday. And but but just I think through this, there are real deep connections made. And I just like to say to people, get out there, go find other people, go out in real life. Don't stay on the Internet. Reconnect with 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 those humans that actually used to go outside their front door, you know, once upon a time and go meet, go to some of these rallies, have some fun, you know. Anyway, that was <laughs> I went off on a No, t- that's that's brilliant. Um what you described to me sounds like 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 an entire adventure, you know, there was conflict and there was resolution and and in the end you're right, like you're right to empathize with the with people that are that afraid. Like think about it. He's he's afraid of the impact on his business from from all the other like now pro jab people. And it's like, you can be pro jab and not be anti everybody else. And you can say the same thing to the anti jab people. I mean, yeah, I can wear the same shoes that I'm trying to fit on somebody else. You know, Hey, um, if I believe what I'm preaching that, that I've taken measures to build a robust, immune system as much as I have or as much as I can, then why should I be afraid of the the jab people? Um either I'm either I'm like you know drinking the Kool-Aid I'm selling or I'm not any different from them. And I mean I the fear is nuts. But all, while you were describing the places that you're playing and the connections you're making and the people that are waking up that's why i'm not sure that this is the the end game in time deal like like at some point believing what i believe like at some point it all just collapses and and it turns into you know the things of prophecy but this could just be a a gigantic pride cycle you know the the flip side of of that pride cycle is is that you know when i mean speaking of scriptures or literally any rise and fall or collapse of any nation in history like 
the story is always the same. Yeah, there's some rough times and there's some ugliness, but then a lot of the the beauty that rises from the ashes is is extraordinary, you know. And you're as you're telling as you're talking about the gigs that you've done and the people that you've interacted with. I mean, there's your hope. Like every time I've started to lose hope or get really jaded, then, you know, a friend sends me a message or calls me and says, says, hey, you know, I want you to know you inspired me along the way. And now they're busy sharing me information about treating my friends who have been jabbed. Like I can pass them along to them because I'm not the expert, but I'll sure forward the heck out of it, you know. Well, you know, I see, you know wow. what, what just say there, what, what, what impressed me so much was Brian, this guy who I was saying, Brian Jones is 80 years old and he saw the beginning of all of this, you know, going on. He was just leaving after his session and he was going, what's going on? And I told him. And when we played the track through, you know, he, he only heard it on the day and the poison vaccine verse came up and he just burst out laughing, you know, and, and at the end <laughs> out by his car, I told him what, what had happened with the studio owners. And he went, what's the matter with them? He said, I'm pro jab. I still played on it. We're all just people. And I thought that was so cool. Wow. That, that's a, that's kind of a, a micro version of the macro garbage that's going on. I, I mean, you know, it, I think there's a lot of people relearning how to treat one another like humans. And after so much, all the things we discussed, all the ways they, that they, you know, capital T, they are trying to dehumanize us and rob us of our, our identity and, and deplete our human condition. Well, you know, it, it's it's beautiful to see, I'm gonna guess you could call it the resistance. You know, every time you every time you make a good connection with a person, every time you you have a laugh with an old friend, or I mean hell, even every time you've concluded a heated debate with a good friend or something, and and you've concluded with your friendship intact. I mean, every one of those things is is beating the system. I mean, it, it's, and I mean, I, I guess that's, you know, the, the level of awareness that I, I feel like you and I have and people in our circles and, and, and our friends and it, it, it is a curse because of all the ugly you get to see, but it, it's also kind of, it's also the blessing and the gift Like you I also get to see how hard people are working at still making the world a better place. People taking this just mountain of shit that's been dumped on us and they're out there planting petunias. I mean, like, it's, it's beautiful to me that I get to see, um, you know, from from what I feel like is an enlightened perspective, I get to see the enduring human spirit in all of it. Uh, and it doesn't mean that I'm not also scared of what might 
be happening next or or whatever but i have like at least one friend that we're gonna be the ones you know making the rat burgers at fema camp you know find us we're yeah (laughs) but i thought about that too is is like you know no matter where you go or how how this turns out i hope for the best and i hope if it turns out for the best that that people wind up finding their tribe, you know, their closest people. And if it turns out for the worst, the one thing I've promised myself to do is, is I'm not going to lose my humanity and, and I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to, well, I'm going to take advantage of every opportunity I have to, to meet people and make connections and, and, and experience this life to the fullest. We may not get to have all the things, the, the way things are shaping out, like my long-term dreams and plans because of fuel prices and international trade and shipping, all of a sudden the trickle down has added at least a year, if not a year and a half to some of my personal financial goals and dreams. Well, what if I can't have those things well in the meantime i'm not going to neglect to appreciate the good things that do come along like every time something the next sinister thing pops up like folks getting beaten by cops in australia like that's shocking and it and it irritates me and i'm thinking i feel two things helpless and hopeless because i have friends who live there i hate what's being done to them and then also the fear, how long is it before that kind of stuff starts happening here? Well, in the meantime, what those folks like clear on the other side of the planet, my few friends, they know I'm thinking about them. They know that they know that maybe there's not much I can do for them, but I care about them and I'm on their side. You know, they're not alone. And no matter what, I'm gonna tell you why that sinks so deep with me. It's because I won't get too deep into it, but I had a near-death experience many years ago. And one of the most intimate emotions that I felt during that experience was complete isolation and complete loneliness. Um, And and that is, to me, one of the most terrifying experiences. I've been 10 feet away from a thousand pound grizzly bear. I've caught alligators by hand. And, and that doesn't mean that I wasn't afraid during those things, but like, like utter loneliness is one of my greatest fears. Um, I mean, if at any point I ever have to check out of this life, because it is inevitable, I'd like, I mean, I know what my last thoughts will be because I know what my last thoughts were when I had my near-death experience some years ago. It's like, you know, if these are my last moments, and this all kind of occurred to me, and it happened really quickly. These are feelings and emotions I'm interpreting because it happens so fast. I didn't think through it all in words, but I know this is how I felt. Is like if these are my last moments, 
It's not so much that I question my faith, but it is just faith. I don't know for sure if there's something after this. Um, I don't know if there is something after this. Don't know for sure I'm going to heaven. But, and I, I feel like, I feel like God would have forgiven me the, uh, the, I don't know what you would call it, the, the shortness in faith, because I did apologize. And I was like, look, if these are my last few moments in life, it occurred to me, what if this is it? And then the lights go out and curtains and then nothingness. Well, I was resigned to the fact, and it was the most peaceful feeling you can imagine. And I was in a tremendous amount of pain while this was happening, physical pain, mental anguish. It was, it was, it was absolute terror. But in those, in that moment, I, I decided, and I, I asked God's forgiveness. I was like, hey, if these are my last few moments, um, if you don't mind, I'm going to spend them thinking about the people that I love. And, and with that, I had this relief. It's like the pain was still very acute, very real, but it sort of faded to the background. And, and I reflected very um very lovingly and gratefully about you know my my parents and my brothers and and nieces and nephews and 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 dear friends and I thought well you know if this is it um I may not even be able to miss them because I may just not be anymore but with all my heart if I only had moments left in existence, then what was most important to me, it just sunk in. I, I get it. What was I thinking about when there was nothing left? And it's the people that I love still. And I mean, that, that was obviously an experience that, that, that's, I mean, ingrained in my personal paradigm. It's the, perspective I see everything in really is 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 you know who who do you love who loves you now I, I I have a great faith that this life isn't the end and when I when I die but it it still was quite I feel like that um I feel like God would actually be proud of me I mean that obviously my thoughts had turned to him because I was asking him hey Hey, forgive me for turning my attention to this. Well, I believe that loving one another is one of the greatest commandments. So, so if that's what, in fact, I was doing in my last moments, I wasn't forsaking him. I was honoring his wishes, more or less. But I think you don't even have to be religious to grasp um the intent of that message or that lesson that I learned is what, you know, I mean, if you're a total atheist, you would ask the same question. If it was utterly my last moment, how would I spend it? Like, I would spend it thinking about what mattered to me the most. And Phil, that's people, you know, it's people. Jason, that's beautiful. I, I honestly, I love just winding out and letting you run. 
I mean, last time I, I didn't want to blow your head up, but um, so many lovely comments from our last talk. You know, people just saying how lyrical you are, how easy to listen to, how how pleasurable it is to listen to. Even your voice is hypnotic, and I they, that. <laughs> and they love it. And and we must do it again. But that's a that's kind of a good length, I think, for a chat. And um, thank you so much. Thanks so much for coming back on. One last question. Have you, um, last time you said you were going to put your writings on somewhere, have you have you started up any kind of a blog yet or something? You said you were going to start some videos before. No. And you should I, do, man. You should do. I've neglected that. I have actually, um, since the last we spoke, I've put in some sporadic efforts on a, on a, on a book. Uh, and it, it just just hit or miss, but I I feel rejuvenated with with the idea. I need to, as my my job and my profession are becoming less reliable, and and I'm not sure what's on the horizon. I've been strongly considering. You know, I need to to. I need to find ways of branching out and obviously possibly monetizing it, but I would, I would really enjoy, I love writing. I would enjoy doing some videos. You know, I, I, I think I, I reach the right people or, you know, I'm, I am certainly some people's flavor, you know, <laughs> but, and I, I appreciate the comment. No, I, I will, I'll continue on. I can't promise a book is going to happen at any point in the future, just that it it someday will, because I have been working on it. I just haven't been committed or dedicated. Just go um, grab go grab some of those amazing Facebook posts and get them on some blog somewhere in case Facebook goes down, you know, because they should be safe, yeah. beautiful, you know, like Ben said early on, you're a force of nature and some of the stuff that you post is just so beautiful. So look, I really appreciate that. Keep it up, man. And and let's chat again. And it's such a shame we didn't get to go and hang out by a campfire or around a swimming pool or whatever at that carnival conference a while ago. But I know. There, there will come a time for sure. I know that. And um, yeah. Thanks, Jason. Thank you so much. It was a blessing. Thanks, Phil. I appreciate you.